Well, good morning, church. Do you know this whole thing about consecration? Kath was saying that she felt very moved by it this week and how the Lord had been dealing with her. You know, last week when I was stood in the meeting, the Lord gave me a scripture, and we just never got the opportunity to bring it last week. But the very thing was, David, when he came to the threshing room floor, and the man says to him, what do you want? And he said, I want to buy the threshing room floor so I can make a sacrifice to the Lord. And the guy said, look, I've got a threshing room. I've got the ox that you can kill, and I've got the wood for the fire. And he made this one statement, I cannot bring an offering to the Lord that costs me nothing. When we make our lives available to him, there is a cost. We don't always like it, but the investment will be worth it. Thank you for your underwhelming response. Last time we ministered, we looked at, I love it when a plan comes together. So four of you are here. I love it when a plan comes together. Do you remember that? And we started to build very practically about issues that are in our lives and things we want to face. Well, I'm going to do part two of that this morning with a bit of a twist. Is that okay? It might not necessarily be as practical as the last time, but hopefully it should be just as more impactful than the one that came before it. Is that all right? So are we ready? Oh, come on. Are we ready? If I want to give it my best this morning for him, I want to give my best for him and for you. So if you give your best back to me, then we both win. Is that all right? Okay. Right. We read this scripture a while ago. It's from Isaiah 32, and he declares this. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will reign with justice. And each one will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. And we made that declaration some time ago. We said, what will you be? Are you going to be a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm? Are you going to be a stream in the desert? Are you going to be the one that is the very shadow of Christ where you live? Each one will be. Not the special ones, not the odd one. Each one will be. You will be a defining moment on history. God punctuated history with you. Yeah, how scary is that? God punctuates history with with Phil, with Chris, with Dave, with Tony, with an Eric. He punctuated history. We think we're here for nothing. We come, we go, we get up, we go to bed, we go to work. Life just goes on and on and on. But God punctuated history with you for a reason. We said last time we preached, we said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Plans, prosperity, hope and a future. Our best days are with him. It's not the alternative of going, oh, God has to be second best because I couldn't make it work. He is always the first choice. He has to be the first choice for you and for I. We looked at it and we said, didn't we use that term? When a plan comes together, how God has destined. You know that mighty thing that when you read in Acts, it is God who destined from eternity when you would live, where you would live and how you would live. That is how much God said, I have put you on my timeline 
Will you work with my will, as we've been hearing this morning? Will you allow me to fashion you, mold you, shape you to be all that you can be, so that when I drop you in, you've been there, all been to, you've been to a pond, to a lake or anything, and you drop in a stone. That stone has one thing, and then the ripple effect starts. One tiny stone has a ripple and ripple and ripple. Oh, we're not getting this today, are we? That's you. That's me. You are not little, insignificant you. You know what's really crazy? You are a major player on the world scene. The only thing is, you don't know it yet. You don't know it yet, but you are that pebble that when it drops into that water, is going to have an effect. Now, here's the thing. We turned around and said about the plans Are we going to have a a life plan? Are we going to create an action plan to see something different, to see our life circumstances change? We looked at relationships. We looked at business. We looked at finance, didn't we? We covered those elements very quickly on a Sunday morning. Question. I don't expect you to put your hand up because you'll all be embarrassed. Who went away and did something with it? Okay, well, I'll take that. There's not many. Every week, the word of the Lord can be dropped into your life, a word of wisdom, a word of counsel, a word of direction, something that brings you life and hope. But unless we do something with it, we're as numb as a pump. It's great. We cannot just be people who collect words. Oh, I collected, oh, oh, I did that series on that. Oh, we did something on foundational teaching. Oh, we did so. We're not collectors of words. We're having our life established. You know, there is a saying that says, if I fail to plan, I am planning to fail. It's not just talking about business. It's talking about anything in our lives. You know, there's three things or three dynamics that are really clear. Wealth, health, and weight are all a result of the actions you take. Wealth, health, and weight. It's more than those three, but they're three that fit all of us. We're skint because we spend too much. We get fat because we... And a lot of the time we know that sickness can grab us and it can be sometimes out of our remit, but a lot of the time, do you know what they tell you? You will have something lying dormant for 10 years before it comes to the surface. But the way we live, we eat, what we put in our bodies, what we don't do with it, when we use it and abuse it, then we go, oh, I don't know why, this is falling off. It's falling off because we never dealt with it over here. And that's the same thing. We'll become people in life, especially as Christians, who become reactionary rather than responders to something that happens. When I react, it can have that negative, adverse effect. Tony says something to him, and I react. But when I'm walking, I can learn to respond. I heard what you said, but I completely ignored the way you said it to me. So I don't react to him. I can respond because of how I'm learning to walk and develop. Does that make sense? Here's a question. Question for everybody. Put your hand up if you've ever been in business. Put your hand up if you've ever had a business or ever want a business. Okay, right? We also made this statement that went like this. Everybody can be in business. But not everybody should be in business. (laughs) Yeah? Everybody can, but not everybody 
should be in business. So now this morning, I'm going to completely contradict that statement. Is that all right? Just keep you on your toes a little bit. There is an area of business that every single one of us must be responsible for. Now, Pastor Tony's already touched it this morning, hasn't he, when he said about mothers, the job that mothers have done for us. Would any of us be here if it wasn't for a mother? If it wasn't for a womb that, that fed us, nurtured us, caused us to grow, there was the birthing present, uh, process and wonderful people like Mel helped so many mums through that process. Then they guided us, then they helped us. When we cried and we had a snotty nose, they wiped our faces, they stuck plasters on our knees. When you had your first girlfriend or boyfriend and you came home and was crying because you couldn't make it work. When you got giddy at school, all of those things, mum were there. And mums are brilliant, aren't they? How come it was only the women who said yes? (laughs) Mums are brilliant. Do you know, you get this thing that it says, in life you can get lots of things, but you only get one dad and you get one mum. They are a value to us, they're an asset to us, but at times... Mums can be a little bit, wrap you in cotton wool, and it can be, you love us so much that at times you've got to let us grow and let us go, haven't you? So here's a statement I want to make about business. From Luke 2, 48, I'll just read it to you. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously, and he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know I will be about my father's business? I will be about my father's business this morning. The reply from mum was, we were all having a party. We'd all gone off to the, to the temple. It was all family. We were together, and we'd had a kebab on the way home and a bag of chips, and it was like all the kids are playing together, and then they went, where's little Jesus gone? Where is he? I thought, you had him. Is he not with you? No, he's with me. Oh, where? maybe he was with Auntie Mary. No, he's with Elizabeth, and they're looking for Jesus all around, and they have to track their steps back. Hearts are racing. If you're a parent, you've had that time where you've turned and you've thought, where are they? Only you'll know if you've been that in scenario, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When your stomach turns inside out and there is a, and all, everything goes through your head, that matter of craziness, where have they gone? What's happened? They've been an alien abduction. X files is back on. It's everything is all changing. You don't know where they are. Mary turns around and goes, I didn't know where you was. Why have you done this to me and your father? And his response was, did you not know I will be about my father's business? Now, just letting you in to a little picture this morning. Just take a look at the screen. God and sons. Global enterprise. It's not God and son. It's God's and sons. It's plural. We must be about our father's business. Oh, I don't like business, Phil. Tough. You're in it. Oh, it's all right. You're not paying salaries. You don't have to work out the tax, man. You don't have to work all these little special things about, guess what? None of you have had to do this week. You've never had to look and say, we need to start a pension scheme. None of you have had to deal with that this morning or this week. 
But we are in our father's business. And even Christ as a boy understood that the world was bigger than him. The situation was bigger than him. I want to give you a news flash this morning. This might be news to you. I don't think it is, but it might just be news to you. It's breaking news, ticker tape, across the bottom of our screen. Church is the most boring and irrelevant place you can ever be if you don't have a job. I don't mean you don't work, so you don't go to work outside. If you are not making your Christ's life work, this is the most boring, irrelevant place to be. I stand up, I sit down. I put my hands up, I put my hands down. I stand up, I sit down. I say hello, I say goodbye, and occasionally I take the hand that was up, I take it down, I shove it in my pocket, I pull it out and I put something in the bag. And then I go home if I've not gone to the coffee shop first. Life and church is bigger than what we do in here. God didn't make us just to be in here. He made us to be about our Father's business. The greatest advert... Change it. Let's pull it back first. The greatest strategy that the enemy can ever have of delusion upon a life of a person is not that he doesn't exist. Is not that he runs around with a pitchfork. Is not a case of that he'll bring fear and intimidation. It's not about the world is going to fall over in, in some form of sexual debauchery. The whole process and, and thing that he brings into the church is that things will change if you sit here. The biggest illusion that's ever around is your life changes just by sitting here and it affects everything. You'll just sit here. And I'll just sit here. And then we'll sit here next year and I'll look at you and you'll look at me and we go, we might look older, we might look greyer, we might be thinner or fatter depending how we've gone. But things didn't change. That needs to change. That can change. And that will change. Do you know why? Because God will move from his throne and said, if you don't get off your backside, I will move you off your backside. But do you know what? That's the story of hope. That's the story of hope. That we're no longer the church of Jesus Christ going to be wrapped in cotton wool but he's taken us out of storage to do what we are called and purposed to do. To be about his business. Jesus comes from the wilderness. He's just been baptized. He's been around father's business and he's been faithful to his father's business. Okay? Heavenly father, Joseph. Jesus is learning the tools of the trade. The Bible doesn't even call him a carpenter. It calls him the carpenter. He was good at what he did. He comes out. He's baptized by John. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He's tempted by the enemy and he comes back. And then we pick up the story. He walks into the synagogue. He opens the scroll and he reads from Isaiah. And this is the declaration he made. For the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, release from prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. The Father's business that he is around and that you and I are in is the restoration business. We are in the restoration business. We see, we think at times we literally get it and we pigeonhole everything into we're in the soul winning business. We're not in the soul winning business. That's part of what we are. We're in the restoration business, taking those that are in captive, taking prisoners, taking the sick, taking those with no hope, taking the destitute, taking those who mourn, taking those who hunger, taking those who are in such a state in our society and seeing them turn around. That restored lives become oaks of righteousness that glorify the King of Kings. Your life is a very silhouette on the landscape of humanity. That God turns around and says, my greatest advert that I will ever have is when your life reflects my grace, my mercy, my hope, my truth, my character, my nature. But most of all, it reflects his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says, I labor with all his energy until Christ is formed in you. Why? Because when people see you, you will be an oak of righteousness in the land. See, we're looking at something about being polished arrows. But when you think of what is England known for? The oak and the strength of the oak. It's there. It's our heritage. It's the root that's in this land. And God turns around and says, when I take you, I will make you an oak of righteousness that when you stand and people see you, they know that there's something different. Do you know it's not about how much you know? Your life is never about how much you know, but that is not an excuse for not knowing. But so many, do you know when we was in the prayer meeting this morning and Pastor Tony interjected and he said, we're, we're crying out for heaven to come down. Heaven's already come down. Stop waiting for something to happen to you to make your feet move. Start making your feet move and watch heaven follow. That when we move towards it, this life is going to be seen, it's going to be reflected. You know, people need to be restored in three areas. Physically, emotionally, and cognitively. The way you think, feel, and act are all important to God. And each of those will be a vehicle and a demonstration to people outside of the house that your life is different. See, when everybody else is panicking at work and you've got something about you, and they go, either you're a dipstick or you know something I don't know. When situations are turning around and people go, how come you're not panicking about that? How come you're not being moved by that? How come things aren't different? It's because you're able to demonstrate the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that hope of glory that's found in you can be the hope that's found in them. The hope of the hope is that he's the hope. It's not Bob Hope, no hope. It's Christ is the hope, the hope of glory that's found in all of us, amen? So here's my main text that I want to use this morning, my reference point, okay? It's a story you all know. 
but I bet it can't remember the last time that we actually looked at it. Luke 10, verse 30, and I'll start to read. And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went along their way, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go by down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levi, when he came to a place and he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured oil and wine on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense he may have. Outside of the doors are so many lives that are wounded and broken. The issue that we have is that every day when we walk around, do we cross to the other side or have we chose just to ignore it? See, it's great. We can be called so many things, can't we? We can be called priests and kings. We can think about what we know, the difference between the priest and the Levi. One was the one who carried the law. One was the one who ministered in the house. Both of them didn't matter of their relationship where God was. That is an inconvenience. So they crossed and pretended that they didn't see it. You know, maybe if there's a true factor in here this morning, if we're all completely honest with ourselves, is maybe we're not as good as the Father's business as we think we are. Maybe we're not as good in the Father's business as we think. You see, outside of these doors, if we've got this estate that's at the side of us here, if we just went and knocked on doors, do you know what we're going to find? Dysfunctional families. We're going to see abuse, physical, emotional, chemical, eating disorders, self-hatred, shame, guilt, depression, are all lurking behind so many doors. And in some, all of the above. There are lives that are broken. So many people live with this issue of shame and have misguided approach towards it. When they look at shame, they see their life and say, I didn't do something wrong or do something bad. I am bad and I do things. And so I can't change because I am bad. It's a misguided approach. So when Christ comes in, he can bring the life. He can bring the hope. Every situation in Christ can turn around. Do you know why? Because I'm looking at a bunch of dead legs who he turned around. And you're looking at a dead leg he turned around. Our shame, our guilt, our fears, our lack of hope, all that we are are put right in him. Who will be a shelter? Who will be the shadow, who will be the one who brings life and hope, you and me. I don't don't just have plans and hope and a future for you. I put that in you so that you reflect that out there to the others. See, we've not grabbed that yet, have we? Because when we just grab that bit, then we can see why it doesn't matter whether I went to Bible school or whether I'm the one who gets to stand at the front and preach. My life is worth something in Christ. And all it takes, pardon the pun, I do not mean to be disrespectful, but in the story that we have just read of the Good Samaritan, yeah, he said he placed him on his donkey, did it not? What was the first thing he had to do? He observed and he got off his ass. 
If you don't get off your ass, nothing will change. We have an issue just at this moment in time, trying to help a family members going through some stuff. And, you know, one of those things is the shame, feeling the shame of when something happens in your family, how it can turn around. And for them, they're going through divorce at this moment. And the lady had said to me, said, Phil, how can I face God as a divorcee? I feel so much shame because I know God hates divorce. Does God hate divorce? Is it a reality in our lives or lots of lives? Yes, it is. God still hates it. And I'm saying, God, how can I bring a word of hope to her? God, what is this word that I can find that I can bring? And then I started to read Jeremiah. And do you know what? It breaks your heart. Do you know why it breaks your heart? Because shall I tell you a statement this morning? I didn't know. But I know, this, I know now, and it can bring a great word of hope to people. God hates it because God's a divorcee. Do you know what Jeremiah 2 says? Jeremiah says this. It's the cry of so many men and so many women. What could I have done different for you to love me? Is the cry of Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 3 says this. Because of your behavior, Israel, the way that you were, I had to issue you with a certificate of divorce. God's a divorcee. God knows what that pain is of having that broken relationship. I have done everything. I kept myself beautiful. I honored covenant. I did everything where you were. You were unfaithful to me. I was still willing to take you back, but your behavior got so bad, I had to issue you with a divorce. Whoa. So when people say they feel that shame and guilt, right, this is where God's heart is. This is where restoration can come. We are the ones who carry life. Amen? It said that the Samaritan had compassion on him. Now, here's something. I'm not an expert, but I'll give it a go. Compassion is often a sense operation. Our senses move us towards compassion. Let's pull back the video. Early 80s, Live Aid. Don't they know it's Christmas? Along comes Bob Geldof. And he said, we're getting all of these bands together. We're going to have Live Aid. We've got stuff that's going on in Ethiopia, this famine, everything. And it invaded our lives. And they had everything. And everybody was sat there because they all wanted to see their favorite bands. Didn't matter what the money was going to. And we sat there. And he went in. If you can still see it, you can Google it. Go on YouTube, whatever. Look at his response. He goes into the studio because people are just... It's all about them. They're enjoying the experience. We've just had the style council and the jam's coming next. And uh, who's later at the end of the day? Whatever it was, people were there for their own thing. And he says, play the video. And he starts to play the video of the starving kids. And then it's the tune from Cars. Who's going to take you home tonight? And all of that moved. And he's shouting at the telly, pay your money, send your money. And that moved people to a compassion where the phones rang off the hook. And that 30 years later, people are still paying into the same thing because we're moved by compassion. But now what happens? We now have sensual overload. YouTube, Facebook, the internet, 24-hour TV, the news going continually. Now when I see things, unless Pudsy Bear is walking through my living room, 
I'm not moved anymore by the things I see because they no longer shock me because it's now an everyday experience. Sensual overload. It grabs me. It makes me see things. I just stop moving towards it. And I think in our lives, many of us have become desensitized to the things that we see around us. It's easier to cross to the other side with my knowledge of me knowing God, and I'm a priest for the living king. It's amazing. Excuse me, I'm just on the way to church. I can't be late. When we are walking past the wounded, the bloody, the needy, all around us, when God said, I have made this life in you to reflect me and to be the answer into there, no hope for you to be hope. We're about our father's business. The scripture also said this. He said he, t- he took two denarii and gave it to the man. Restoration of lives comes at a personal and corporate cost. Time, money, investment. Why investment? Because I invest hoping that you're going to change. Then I have to deal with hurts. I deal with disappointment because you were going to do it, but you didn't do it. Then you let me down. I have to learn what it's like to get played. Do you know those, it says, doesn't it, the scripture, that those outside are often more wise than you are. And they know how to play the system and they know how to play you. They know how to tell the story, cry at the right time, push the crippled kid in. Whatever it is, they know how to utilize and get the most out of everything. Are we willing to trust, even though we've been hurt, let down, disappointed, do we go again? Because it doesn't mean that just because somebody spiritually, emotionally, physically pulled your pants down, you can't go and do it again. Because we're about our father's business. The church needs answers to its dysfunctional world. And it's not just Jesus loved you. The message of Jesus loved you is key. He is the hope. He is the life of the nations. He is everything that we're moving towards. But it needs to be bigger than that. It needs to be people who are trained to deal with the wounds and scars of others. As we said, he had to open his eyes and he moved towards something. It said that he treated his wounds with oil and with wine. Sign of the Holy Ghost and the anointing and the covenant. When you move towards somebody, how much of the Holy Ghost is moving in you? If you don't pray, if you don't read, if you don't have fellowship, I ain't talking to you. But if you're walking with him, you're, you're saying, Lord God, Father, not my will, but your will. Give me doors of opportunity. God will also give you the word that will help the wounded. We always think it's talking about somebody else. We always think it won't be me. It's someone else. It's not someone else. It's you. You are in God's global enterprise. If he didn't need you, he wouldn't have took you. But you've been bought with a great price. You are not your own. Said, so, right, let's cause that light to shine. You know, at times... You can just bring a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of understanding that breaks something open. You know, I've been really trying to work with this and develop this in the last six months, really, looking at stuff. God, you give us different things. And people are going, how in the heck did you think of that? 
Now, we could be really brash and go, well, you know, it's like it's hours of prayer and fasting. I don't know, because sometimes God makes you look good. God makes you look good. But the other bit of you doing your preparation is that if I was going to deal with somebody in this situation, what do they need? Like we've got the lady with the divorce. God, what do you say about divorce? God, what are you saying in this situation? If you look for it, you can be a person who is a carrier of hope. Pastor Tony's got a great phrase at the moment. It's not a phrase. It has to be the thing that encapsulates all that we are in the house at the minute is that we are trained to know and then to go. We're not just trained to sit on our hands. We receive life to be life, to reflect life, do we not? Do you realize that any wounded, broken person, whether in your family, outside of your family, a work colleague, somebody you have a chance encounter with on the bus, you are a portal for a God encounter. You want to see your faces. Yeah, you don't really get this because you get it, but you think it's talking about everybody else. It's the person next to you on your row. You are the one who is a carrier of life. And that every time you move into a situation, you have the ability to bring in the life that will help to heal their wounds, will help to then stop, stop the pain that's working through and bring hope into it. You see, so many times we're so busy trying to say, win a soul, the lost, win a soul, the lost, win a soul, the lost, win a soul, the lost. If we do this, the winning a soul becomes so easy. Because people go, I saw it affected and changed your life. It can change mine. As they start to see their life change, they will move to the same God that you're moving towards. Instead of going, we'll ignore your pain. We'll ignore you can't pay your bills. We'll ignore your broken relationship. We'll, we'll ignore your kids running up the wall while we're here having a chat. We'll ignore all of that. And let me just tell you about Jesus. Why don't you show them Jesus Bring the life into that situation. It means as well, guess what? We all make the grade. Shall I tell you at this side? We all make the grade. If I know him and I'm looking to be developed, if I want his will and not my will, if I'm saying, God, I might have only been saved 10 minutes, but Lord God, Father, give me opportunities. And then people are shaped and they're worked with. And as Pastor Tony said, I'm trained so that I'll know and that I'll go. All the time we're waiting to know more before we do. Why don't we do and make it work on wrong? We have learned something in business. When somebody says, can you do it? You know what the answer is? Yes. Can you do it? No, I can't. But by the time I've got back, I'll know somebody else who can. Years ago, I was told a piece of advice that really helped me. Phil, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know somebody else who does. Do you know doctors, solicitors, and professionals will do something? They'll do a thing called refer. So refer is, there's Dr. Chris here. Say, Dr. Chris, have you got any leeches for this issue I've got? And he'll say, no, but I'm sorry, this is not my field of expertise. You better go and talk to Dr. Andy, because Andy does have a bucket full of leeches. He's willing to work with you on. In church, we think, I don't know about it, so you better just rot in peace and quiet over there. I might not have the answer, but let me bring you to a man who does. 
And if the man doesn't, he will refer you to another man who does. But we're keeping people, showing them the hope and the life. You don't need an answer to everything. You just need to know who does. And let's work backwards from there. Marriages, finance, budgeting, problem families, raising a community of community champions. Men and women who affect their environment is what should happen in here. We come in here to get built up, to have more in us so that we go out there and impact something. Not to keep us in a surgical blanket so we can come back next week and just have more. Are we going to continue to look the other way and walk? Are we saying, my God, the answer to a dysfunctional world is me? You know what the scripture says in Acts? Scripture says this, and the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the message of Paul. Did that say the salvation of Jesus Christ, the full back catalogue of the Old Testament and everything that had gone on? No, Paul was the gateway. Christ came through that. When he spoke, he was able to reveal Christ, but she accepted him and accepting him and the way he moved towards her was the way that the Christ came through. The church broke out because a man turned up on the scene. She'll let you into a scary secret, and this is a scary secret, especially if I'm stood here. Preaching won't change much. Scared you, didn't it? Preaching alone won't change things. A life reflecting. You build the truth, you hear, you build the truth into your life, then you go away and act that truth out is what will make a difference. The wise man hears these words of mine and does them. But we don't like the doing. Do you know why we don't like the doing? Because we feel that what we do is just what I do. And it has no value in it. But shall I encourage you with some value this morning? Because this really encouraged me. This encouraged me. So hopefully, and it encouraged you. And I could point at the individuals I'm talking to, but I won't because you know who you are. We will protect the innocent in the statement that's being made. When we look at this house and the people that are sat in this room, and there's more than this, this is just what I thought when I was writing my list. Is that all right? We have elderly care experience on what to do with them in this house. We have child care and early years development in this house. We have disability experience in this house. We have mental health issue experience in this house. We have drug and alcohol abuse issues and maintenance in this house. We have dysfunctional families and how to fix them in this house. We have fostering and adoption help in this house. We have marriage enrichment, marriage preparation and marriage salvaging in this house. We have financial planning and budgeting in this house. We have uh, business starting solutions and how to even turn something around in this house. Oh, thank you. All of these things you think are no use to anybody. A basic thing that you have built a discipline in your life of how to be financially responsible, do you know how many people you can help? Do you realize how many people you can help when you can tell somebody just how to prepare a meal for four people with healthy whole foods for a fiver? Yeah. 
how you can save and impact so many lives, how to be able to get to the end of the week with what you've got, how to when your kids are running up the wall to do this, when somebody's going, I've got an elderly parent, I don't know what to do, how you can help to bring hope into it. I'm thinking of fostering, what does that mean? I'm thinking of adopting, what does that mean to me? We've had a, an ability where we've got disability, uh, disabled kids and they've got to go to school or we've got kids with learning difficulties. What about, like we said, they're running around like a whirling dervish. They're up your walls, they're down your ceiling, your curtains are off. Somebody knows and it's you. Don't be looking at me, because that's not my field of expertise. I did the one on if you had divorced. I've done that one now. But we are the ones who are the carriers of hope. Now, if you think outside of your circle, I'm not just a priest, I'm not just a Levi, but when I'm walking down the road and Mary's going ballistic with her kids, do you know what? We've seen this. And this is what we did. This is what we've got. Hey, can we introduce you to a coffee morning? Do you know when we've got mental health issues and the care that meets here once a month? We've got different things. You don't need to know. Just bring them to a man who does. We just can't keep ignoring it, can we? Now, you imagine every one of those fields of experience that we have, and then you put the Holy Ghost on it. What a result you start to get. For in the same year that he sowed, he received a hundredfold. If we say, my God, with a little bit I've got, with the backing and the wind of the Holy Ghost behind us, let's just see what happens. Do you know when God gives us that word about speak tenderly to the tree in tame side? That word was that everybody's tried something with a generation and it won't work. We've got the answer. It's just that we've not turned it inside out yet. When we turn it inside out and you're speaking about... There's Billy, he can't act in school and he's got no, he's got no uh, mental uh, ability and he won't apply himself and he's just he's running amok and he's hassle and he's always in the exclusion room. And, and you can bring something in and bring sanity into that situation. Do you think that when you affect him and his friend and there, when you've had the, the dirty dozen that have been kicking off in a school and you can deal with the issue of the dirty dozen that nobody else can do, apart from exclude them or look to palm them off to somebody else. You know the world takes notice. It's skills you have partnered with the Holy Ghost. You know, there's a factor which is true. People don't like being told what to do, but they like to know how can I fix my situation or this problem. If I just come up and go, David, it's because you're a dipstick that this is happening, you know he's going to reply, or you're going to respond, maybe not necessarily in a positive manner. But when you start to share with him about strategies, things that you can apply, how you need to build with things, and you can build layer on layer, you're building relationship over and over again, but you're bringing something to their world that they don't have. And can I tell you something else? You won't get it on Google. YouTube does not have a video of how to deal with dipstick kids. When your kids have gone ballistic and off the rails, when they're pushing towards drug or alcohol, or they're going right off bat, there needs to be a sanity that can be brought in. It's missing in the world, but it's not missing. It's hidden. But Global Enterprises just opened a new branch. New York, London, Paris, and Drollsden just gets launched because it's a global enterprise. You have been the planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness to bring him glory. This is what you're born for. 
This is why Christ is in you, the hope of glory. This is the wisdom that you can reveal. This is the life that you carry. And this is the way that you are an amazing person who can impact their environment. You are an oak of righteousness. But this is the awesome bit where the balance comes. In Isaiah 45, verse 8, it says this. Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let forth salvation. Let righteousness rain down that salvation may spring up. When you and I will be and act and affect our lives and communities as oaks of righteousness, salvation cannot help but spring up. I'll tell everybody else apart from Kath now. When you are the oak of righteousness in your community, reflecting the life, bringing glory to him, you cannot help but see salvation break out. So let's turn the coin. If we are not seeing salvation break out, are you an oak of righteousness reflecting his glory and life in your community? You answer that one. Because I can only answer it for me, but you can answer it for you. But the skills we have, the wisdom that we carry, the revelation and the hope and life we've got inside of us, we say, my God, I'm willing for you to open my eyes just to see opportunities. I didn't just turn around and say, we saw every social case that's down the street. We can't fix the world But where you are, you carry life. Let your oak of righteousness be that silhouette in the place it's supposed to be. The life you carry is God's and Christ's greatest advert. The greatest advert for him is not a miracle, is not that somebody got out of a wheelchair. It's that a life can be restored and made whole. And you and I are that example. That is why the apostles are able to say, you are our letter or you are epistle written by men. It's not what we did. It's the life that was produced that changes the stuff. So which one will you be? Are you going to be a shelter from the wind? A refuge from the storm? Water in a desert? A shadow of the rock in the land? You decide. But we will be about our father's business. There is no redundancy in heaven. There is no lack of work in heaven. We are about his global enterprise. And you know what's wonderful? If you just read the scripture, I'm not going to give you the reference, I'll let you find yourself. And as it has been until today, the word is exploding and exploding and exploding. That's paraphrased. The gospel is expanding and expanding. The kingdom business is getting bigger and bigger. And the lives that are needed is no longer historically what we used to see, where a priest or a minister or the vicar, this was his parish, and he had to see every widow and every orphan and everything else. We are priests and kings. We have a responsibility. You're in a house where you're trained, developed, encouraged, equipped, built and sent. We can do the sending, but will you do the going? We're everything up to that front door. After that front door, you're on your own. You know that, don't you? But we encourage, we help, we point in the right direction. But your life is 
an oak of righteousness. Captives, prisoners, the hurt, the wounded, the needy, we are in the restoration business. And as we see lives restored from broken to made whole, the ultimate divine exchange, all of heaven smiles on it. And when righteousness rains down, salvation can't help but spring up. Come on, let's just stand to our feet. I tried to keep on time this time. Come on, let's just raise our hands just for a moment, just in his presence. All that's been been said and done, not just today, but in the uh, weeks that came before this. Say, my God, Father, you have given us an understanding of the kingdom. You've restored to us the kingdom. That was the word, Lord God. You restored to us the kingdom. Lord God, I thank you that every life here, Father, is a reflection of a restored life. That you took us, that you molded us, that you shaped us, that you've taken us from one degree of glory to the next. Lord God, I pray that we will become the oaks of righteousnesses in our communities. That, Lord God, Father, the skills we have, the talents we have, that, Lord God, will not be hidden in a bushel, will not bury it in the ground. But, Lord God, Father, we pray, let the wisdom and revelation of God come upon us. That, Lord God, Father, when we see an opportunity, you will give us the tools needed, Father, to start to speak that word. That you'll open the hearts of men and women that we meet. Father, conversations that seem to come from left field, out of nowhere. I wanted a bag of chips and we ended up saving a loss. Lord God, whatever it is, Father, we give you permission to invade our working day. Lord God, Father, we pray, give us the plan, give us the strategy, give us what we need, Lord God, as we stand in our communities, that, Lord God, Father, this house becomes a tower, Lord God, on a hill. It becomes a fire that's lit. That, Lord God, it will not be a hidden thing. But, Lord God, Father, people will know the dream center for what it is. It's the house where lives are restored. It's the house where lives are made whole. It's the life where the King of Kings walks amongst these people. It's the house, Lord God, where oaks of righteousness are built and established. It's the house, Lord God, where righteousness rains down and salvation springs up. It's the house where you will be our kingdom king. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Amen.